So have you ever been in a place where what you perceived or what you felt was, was what I would call stunned silence? It's like, like, like in the atmosphere, it's like this feeling of like, man, it's, it's like it is stunning silence. That's how I picture it uh, in, in, the, in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples, the, um, the Last Supper we call it. Just, just imagine that for a second. It's the Last Supper. It's Jesus, his disciples, and like shocking things happen. One of them is Jesus, the, the Savior, the Lord, washes their feet. That's shocking to them. And then he says these things. He says, uh, I, I'm going to be betrayed. And now betrayal is a, it's a, it's a visceral feeling when someone says betrayal. Some, some of you here watching online or sitting here, you've actually, you felt it. You felt that feeling of being betrayed by someone that you loved. He also says, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving and, and um, you cannot go where I'm going. Now he knows he's gonna die on the cross. He's, he's, gonna, he's gonna rise again. When I say rise again, you might just say amen. Here we go again. He's gonna rise again. That's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. He rose again. He's going he's gonna to ascend to heaven, but they don't know. They don't know what he means. And even, even, uh, uh, even Thomas is like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And he says, he's, we don't know the way you're going. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, beyond that, he says something that, again, is shocking to the disciples. He says this, John 14, 17. He says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him, because either sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. Shocking. He lives with you and will be in you. I'm going to read it again. You guys are going to read in you. This half reads in, this half reads you. Impress me. 11 o'clock. Here we go. He lives with you and will be. Way more impressive. Try again. He lives with you and will be. Still more impressive. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's more of you over there. I don't really know. Do I look pretty weird up there? Okay. Um, so, so, so what happens? 50 days later, 50 days later, there's a thing called Pentecost. And at that holiday, the Jewish holiday of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, descends, and suddenly things are changed forever. Jesus promises it, and then it happens. Now, now someone who is there is, is the apostle John, and John actually says, John, later in 1 John, John says this, but you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. Now, think about that. Well, just get your head around that just for a second. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, or we also, we also call the Holy Spirit, rightfully, we call it the Spirit of Christ. What if you understood that Jesus said, I am leaving, but my spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ is going to come and live inside of you. Now, Paul says it. Actually, Peter says it as well. Paul says it. Paul says it several times, but actually Paul says it in a little bit different way. Look what Paul says to Timothy. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in, you say the last word, here we go, who lives in us. He lives in all of us, all those who believe in Christ, who've accepted Christ, who know Christ. All of us can proudly say, the Spirit of God lives in me. Now, some years ago, I read a book uh, by Francis Chan. Here he is right here, Francis Chan. And the book was called Forgotten God. 
And the book is actually about the Holy Spirit. It's about how Francis Chan believes that we've kind of forgotten about the Holy Spirit and what he does and how he works and that he lives in us. And Francis Chan, he says it like this. And here's what he says. It's, it's completely true what he says. Here he says this. Those of us who believe in Jesus would never deny the truth that we have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. So let's just take that for a second. Now, maybe you're here today and, and you, you would just say, if you're being honest and, and, and expressing yourself, you would just say, you know what? Honestly, I don't, I don't really believe in Jesus or the Bible. I like coming to church and, and maybe I like being around, you know, people, faith people, but, but you're not quite there yet or you don't quite know what you believe. And I just want to say, if you're, if that's you, we are so happy. We're so happy you're here with us. You're welcome here. Whether you believe or don't believe, you're welcome here. But how many of you here would say proudly, honestly, with no, no looking back, you would say by raising your hand, I do believe in Jesus. I have accepted him. I'm following him with my life. Just raise your hand, right? So that's you. So if you're raising your hand right now, and it's true, then you can be confident of this thing. The spirit of the living God is living in you. And this is, by the way, absolutely undisputed. There is no Christian denomination. There's no sect or, or part of Christianity that doesn't understand it or claim it. Everyone understands this basic and simple truth. The spirit of God is living in us. But Francis Chan goes on to say this. I'm just not convinced we have internalized this truth and enjoyed its blessing. It seems so many Christians only have head knowledge and have not understood it. And I love the last part or owned it. Hey, let, me, let, me, let me very directly say to you in a loving way, I think this is you, a whole bunch of you. I think many, many of you watching online right now or sitting here, right here in church, this is actually true of you. You might know it, but you haven't really internalized it. What does it mean for you internally? You might have head knowledge of this, but has that head knowledge become something that is living in, inside of you to know it? that you would understand it, and here's the better word, own it. What's it like? What's it like for you? What would it be like? Imagine it. Imagine if you owned it, that the spirit of the living God is living in me. Or like Paul says it in Ephesians chapter one, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in me. Woo! What if? I, th I think, I think you would even walk different. I, thought, I, don't think you, I don't think if you believe that, you can walk like this. Like, I guess I'm having an okay day. Uh, it's all falling apart again. Uh, my kids, my job, my boss. No, if you believe that, this is how you walk. You walk like this. Yeah, yeah. Problems, no problem. Issues, no issues. I've got the spirit of God living in me. Come on, people, come on. Now, now let's just talk about it. Let's go a little farther. We're going to internalize it. That's the plan for today. By the way, this sermon's entitled Indwelling, about the Spirit living in you, but it could also easily be titled Holy Spirit 101. Let's get some basics, okay? Here's some basics. Now, so I'm helping you to internalize it by understanding these things. So let's talk about these two phrases, living in versus coming upon. Coming upon is what the Holy Spirit does in the Old Testament. Here's an example of it right here. It's Judges 14, 19. This is Samson. Samson, uh, great story in the Old Testament. It says this, then the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And so, so Samson is living his life. He has never cut his hair ever in his life in an era where there is no shampoo or deodorant. Think about that for a minute. 
Samson living his life and he's doing his thing, whatever. And then in a moment of crisis, in a moment when he needs it, the Holy Spirit wasn't there and then comes and rests on him. It comes upon him and he goes out and he does awesome stuff. 26 times in the Old Testament, that phrase is used. The Spirit came upon her. Sometimes it says the Spirit rushed upon her. The Spirit powerfully came upon. Here's some people he's talking about. Samson, Saul, David, Balaam, Ezekiel, Isaiah are all people, the spirit comes upon them. So let's imagine it. Back then, Old Testament, the spirit came upon you, but the spirit came upon you and the spirit would leave you. That's why David could say so, so, so earnestly in Psalm 51, 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now listen, if you're in Christ, you never have to worry about or pray anything like that because the Holy Spirit didn't just come upon you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Say amen. It's a whole different thing. It's not going to leave you. What did Jesus say? I will never leave you or, you guys say, or for sin. Oh man, you guys are good. Oh, the temperature is rising. Do not cast me from your presence, David says, but, but, but Jesus says this. Jesus says, for he lives with you. That's a mind-blowing thought. Lives with. The, another word used here is the word dwell. Dwell, he w- dwells with you and will be in you. What's the difference? Well, number one difference is, is very simply this, and, and this is important to understand. The Holy Spirit only, I said it happened 26 times, the phrase is used, the Holy Spirit came upon, but it wasn't 26 people. That phrase only applies to, I, I think maybe it's like 18 people that phrase applies to. So the Holy Spirit was only on a few special people. And you might actually inadvertently be believing that right now. You might be thinking like, yeah, you know, some people like, like maybe Pastor Brad or worship pastor or, or Pastor Gary, holiest man who ever lived. Yeah, sure. The Holy Spirit comes upon them or maybe Kathy Pound. Yes, yes, yes. But, 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 but what about, what about other people? What about, what about average people? What about other people? Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit only came on a certain number of people at a certain moment. We're talking kings and priests, but the Holy Spirit lives in every single believer. Every single one. Men, yes. Women, yes. Children, yes. Older people, yes. Educated people, yes. Uneducated people, yes. People struggling with addictions, yes. All of us who believe in Christ have the Holy Spirit living in us. It's for everyone, number one. And number two, it's permanent. He is always with you. He will not leave you. Now I'll say something about that. I'll say something about that because I, I do think this is an important point to make about it. He, 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 he's with you, but sometimes the, the, the intensity of your experience of it, it, it can decrease and it can increase. A few weeks ago, we were in church, actually, uh, just right here in church, and, uh, and Molly was singing. Molly was saying to you, give Molly a little hand. She's fantastic. Great job, Molly. Molly was singing this song, this song, Hymn of Heaven. I, mean, I put this in a video, actually, that was a Thursday Thought video. Molly was singing Hymn of Heaven, and she sang this line, that we will stand with a thousand generations, and we will sing, worthy is the lamb. And that, those, I don't know why those words in that order, man, it's like, it's like, I think about it. I, sit, I think I was standing in heaven and singing with a thousand generations. And I tear up every time. Like the spirit is like, it's like stirred up the spirit. When I think about that, that very thought, sometimes you can feel so close to the Holy Spirit. Do you agree? But sometimes, honestly, it, 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 the, the intensity varies. Sometimes it can actually feel like, feels like God's really far away. 
Feel, feel, I, feel, I feel so far away from the spirit and his work. But the thing is, you've got to understand when you feel that way, he didn't leave you, he's still here. So to illustrate this, I'm going to give you two other examples. Here's two other things that live inside of you that you feel them strongly or they can sometimes feel really, really low. And one of them is what I call personal motivation. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You set a goal, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to save money, and you feel motivated. But the motivation, the drive you have, which is inside of you, it can be really strong or it can wane and grow weaker. Who knows what I'm talking about, right? Right? Motivation. S similar thing. It's inside of you, but it can be strong or moving. How about this one? The last example, number two. I like this example. Romantic love. Oh, yeah. Everyone who's married... Everyone who's been married, everyone who's been, uh, had, had a crush on somebody, everyone who ever had a love interest understands when you're in a romantic relationship, you can feel it. Oh, baby. Romantic love, right? It's strong, strong and getting stronger, right? I'm going to get a little look at my wife. Oh, yeah. Or, or you can, you can sometimes realize that that, that feeling is, is it's, it's, it's down. I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling the, I'm not feeling the lovey-dovey. I'm not, I'm not feeling the way that I really want to feel. And, and that feeling can, can grow and it can, and can, it can get weaker. And the thing is, sometimes even for married couples, they feel like, they feel like, you know what? It's gone. I lost it. I lost that feeling to such a degree. And I don't even know if I'll ever get it back. In fact, I heard a song recently, the, the songwriter of the song, he just recently died. He died actually on May 1st of this year. And they're playing this song. And I forgot this song even existed. He talks about this very thing about romantic love. It's, it's gone. Here's, here's the song I'm talking about. Back this way and I've got to say that here's the line. Watch for it. Well, that's what he says. Did you get that? Did you get that line? It's just sort of mellow. Okay. Um, you hear what he said? He said, the feeling's gone and I just can't get it back. Now, some people are victims of, and maybe you're one of them. Just ask yourself this. Are you a victim of low motivation? I'm, mo I'm not motivated and I don't know how to get it. Or a victim of your feelings. I, like, like, my, I, like, I just don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. You want to go to church? I'm not feeling it. You want to go work out? I'm not feeling it. You want to kiss your wife? I'm not feeling it, right? I'm a victim of my feelings. But there are other people who understand these things, feeling close to God, the Holy Spirit, moving and working, feeling romantic love, motivation. These are things that you're not a victim of. These are things you can be in control of. Say amen. Here's a verse I want you to think about deeply. There's a verse I want you to think about really deeply. This is it. Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, except for Jesus, he said this. Using a dull ax requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. Gaining skills will bring success. There's a skill involved in motivating yourself. Some of you have it, some of you don't. If you don't have that skill, you can learn it. That's a learned skill you can learn. There's a skill in, a, in understanding. How do I think about my spouse so romantic love is the natural overflow of my heart because of how I'm thinking about them and how I'm living People are skilled in having the right feeling at the right time. It's called emotional intelligence and you can learn it. And there are people skilled in understanding the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is always here. Have you learned the skill of saying, I can pause and listen. I can pray and press in. The Spirit responds to God's people. I'm challenging you. Sharpen the blade. Learn some skills that can help you. So let's internalize it. 
Let's internalize this idea. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us? And I'll say one last thing and I'll go to that. By the way, that idea of, of sharpening your ax is gonna be a feature on our podcast, which we'll shoot tomorrow. Uh, by the way, our podcast, we began just three weeks ago. Uh, we had a real mild goal of just getting 10% of worship attendance to go, to go go deeper on a podcast. And I can talk about some things and I'll have time to talk about in a sermon, go deeper, unpack it. And we are crushing the podcast goal. So thank you. If you got on there, if you haven't gotten on, on there yet, come listen to an episode. Hear us go deeper on the sermon we're talking about right now. But, but what does it mean? What does it mean for you if you're in Christ that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna say anything that is controversial. I'm not gonna say anything that is found in one half of one verse in the Bible. Everything I will say to you is firmly established in scripture, a balanced teaching on the Holy Spirit. And here's number one. Number one thing you can expect from the Holy Spirit because he lives inside of you is this thing. It's actually talked about in at least these verses and many more. Philippians 4.13 talks about it. Pretty famous verse. Colossians 1.11, I preached on that last weekend. Second, Second Timothy 4.17, 1 Peter 4.11, they all say the same thing. The Holy Spirit inside of you strengthens you. I'll say strengthen, you say, here we go. Strengthens, strengthens you. Here's how Paul says it. I like this one better. Paul says this, Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. If you're really honest with yourself, you'll admit this. You need it. You need this. You need the strengthening power of the Holy Spirit, maybe on your body, maybe, maybe to do things or to go farther, work harder, but more than that, in your inner being, strengthening you for the purpose that God has given you strengthening you. Another thing that it talks about, a few other verses talk about the Holy Spirit energizes us. It brings energy. That Greek word is the word energeo. It, it means energy given to us by the Holy Spirit as we interact with him. And you can have skill. You can develop the skill of saying, I, I have awareness of how I go to God and position myself to receive his strength. It's what God does over and over again. Strength. Now, as a church, Spring Hills, we, this is something I can say to you. We need it. We need, as a church, God's strength. We need it to accomplish the vision that we have as a church. Our vision, stated vision, is building generations for Jesus Christ. And we're actually entering a, a really important phase. Number one, we have in a couple of weeks, we have Skyview. It's our youth camp. And, and I'm just going to ask you, pray for our youth cramp. Great things are going to happen. We need your prayers. We need strengthening for the leaders that are going and, and the volunteers and the kids. Then strengthen. Number two, in a couple more weeks, we have vacation Bible school. We're going to have hundreds and hundreds of kids in the building that week. And we need strengthen. Something else we do to, to build generations is, is we welcome uh, interns to come to come to learn and understand uh, about, about our church and about life. And actually, I'm going to introduce to you right now a summer intern coming on with us. He's going to walk up right now. Uh, this is Landon right here. Give Landon a hand if you don't mind. Here he is right here. Landon, for, first of all, uh, Landon is the perfect height. Look at this. Fantastic. Nice shot. Uh, Landon's studying to be a pastor. He's at Cedarville University. He's a, in the MDiv program there, and it's a pleasure to have you on board. You're going to see Landon. He's going to share a sermon with me in a couple of weeks. Go easy on him, if you don't mind. Uh, but we're, we're, yeah, we're building generations right here. Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. One more hand for Landon, if you don't mind. Absolutely. And, and, and beyond that, we're, we need strength for all the things that God has called us to do. But you know what? You need strength as well. There's those times when you, when you know what you should do, but you just feel unmotivated. You just feel weak. You feel a little down. You can admit that to yourself. 
What if you knew how to go to the Holy Spirit and get the strength that you need in your inner being? Here's fill in number one. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can access a supernatural supply of strength and energy from God. Beyond strength, there's something else clearly in scripture the Holy Spirit does that you can access because he lives inside of you. And, and this idea comes from this verse, John 16, 13. Jesus is talking again at the Last Supper and they're in the upper room. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak not on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. These are huge, massive things for us to understand. Number one, when the spirit comes, well, guess what? He already came at Pentecost, back right there, 50 days after that Passover, the Holy Spirit came. He's already here. The Holy Spirit working and moving. And number two, Jesus says this, he will guide you, think about this. He will guide you into all the truth. The wording here is really important. Because Jesus could have said, he will guide you into truth about me, and that'd be great. He's going to guide you into a couple of truths, maybe one truth a month. But it doesn't say that. He actually says this, he will guide you into all the truth. Some of you right now, you don't know what's true. Ask God. Ask God again and again, show me the truth. Reveal yourself to me. Show me the truth. Some of you, I said this two weeks ago, and I had seven people confirm this. I said this two weeks ago. If you think someone that, that, you, that you know, love, or are working with is lying to you, ask God. God, is this person lying to you? Is my spouse, my child, my coworker lying to me? He, God reveals truth. And, and as you pray that, you will find out the truth as it's, as it's revealed. But here, how about this last one? This is amazing. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is a guide, but also he will tell you what is yet to come. That's an amazing thing. I don't think very many of you believe that. I don't think very many of you believe the Holy Spirit is gonna, is gonna warn you, gonna prompt you, gonna work with you to remind you of things that are to come. But imagine, just imagine if that is true. Imagine the Holy, that's a role of the Holy Spirit. Imagine you had skills. Imagine you had sharpened your blade and you had the skill to say, God, I wanna know things that are to come. Warn me, correct me, help me. Here's an example of knowing some things that are out there that are happening. I was just driving uh, last week, driving last week. As I'm driving down the road, a person came to mind that I uh, have known well and, and that, that I think a lot of, but I haven't talked to in a long time. And I thought about them. And as I thought about them out of the blue, I, I had this experience of God's peace, God's, God's presence, the Holy Spirit just kind of washed over me for just one second. I knew it was happening. I understood, uh, you know what, this person that I love and that I know that I haven't thought about in a long time is in, needs some help, I think. And so I texted him. Just picked up my phone while driving. This might've been illegal. I don't know. I don't think so. I wasn't in Granville. Uh, and I, I voice texted. I just voice texted. It was a right hand, left hand driving situation. And I voice texted and I just, and I just texted my friend. And I said, uh, I said, thinking of you, praying for you. And then immediately, within well, less than a minute, he texted me back. I didn't see it till I stopped driving because I am safe. But then I read the text and he was like, can we get coffee sometime soon? I'm like, sure, we scheduled it. I met him for coffee. I met him for coffee. And immediately he was like, I cannot believe you texted me at that moment because he had this crisis and boom, there and there I was to give counsel and prayer and help and, and whatever. But you know what? That was the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit doing what that verse says. He will tell you. He'll bring awareness of what is to come. Now, here's the other thing about guidance that we want to understand. If you raised your hand earlier and you said, yes, I am in Christ. And let me tell you, you have a mission from Christ. 
You probably have an individual mission based on your individual gifts, spiritual gifts, talents, who you are. But you also have a collective mission that all of us have. And I'll I'll state that mission as reaching our county for Jesus Christ. That every person in our county would have an opportunity to know that God loves them. So how many people am I talking about? Well, Licking County, at last count, we were 180,401 people in Licking County. How many guys raise your hand you you live in Licking County? Okay, this applies to you. 180,401. Now let's apply statistics that national statistics in America, about 37 people regularly attend church. That means in Licking County, 66,748 have a church. They have a church. And that probably means 113,653 people in Licking County have no way. They don't have a church. They don't have any way of knowing about God, God's love for them, God's plan for them, except you. You are the, you're the plan. You're the only way they will ever know. Now, you know them. You're on, you're in, you work with them. You're, you're on ball teams with them. You're their parents that you know, their coaches that you know, their kids that you know, their people that you know, 113,000. Let that number sit on you for a second. Now, now what would the, the role of the Holy Spirit be? The Holy Spirit guides us. If, if you know someone that you know doesn't know Christ, you can ask God, God, reveal to me how I might encourage them. How can I reach out to them? Now, I, I just met a woman last night right here in church. She's been coming for a while. I didn't, I didn't realize it. She told me her story last night. She was one of the 113,000 out, 113, out there and didn't have a church, wasn't praying, wasn't following God, did not have faith. But her mom, she's in her uh, young 50s and her mom needed to move into a nursing home and she did not know what to do. And so she said, did this thing. She prayed out loud. And she said, God, I do, you have to, God, show me a sign. I, I do not know what to do with my mother. The TV was on and the next commercial said this, wondering what to do with your mother? Not even kidding. And she's like, what is happening? And it was, it was an ad about nursing homes, a place for mom, uh, nursing homes and what to do. And she saw that, she got on the website, and she immediately on the website, she recognized almost immediately a, a nursing home that would work with a connection that she had. And within, within 30 minutes of praying that prayer, she had a plan and a place as God spoke to her. So she did this. She said, God's speaking to me, I need to go to church. And she came to church with her husband. And guess what? She has now accepted Jesus Christ. Give it a hand, right? There's, there's guidance right there, as has he. There's guidance, guidance of the Holy Spirit working, giving information. Let me, let me go one step farther with this idea, but, but don't lose it. Don't lose that you are part of the plan for us and, and all, all those church-going people to reach the 113,653 people in our county that have, the only way they're gonna know about Christ is because of you, what you say, and how you live. How about this verse? Those who are led by the Spirit are the, are the children of God. The Holy Spirit leads The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. He wants to give you information, speak to your heart, prompt you, pull you to action, and lead you in your life. Here's fill in number two. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have access to his supernatural guidance. Access, supernatural guidance. How about number three? What's the third thing we have access to because the Holy Spirit lives in us? Here it is right here. Oh, hold on one second. We have access to the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit brings to us, uh, he brings to us number three, third filling. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have continual access to the comforting presence of the Spirit. I know it's controversial to have two fill-ins right in a row, but I don't care. I trust you guys. We can do this. 
We can do two fill-ins in a row. It's okay. Comforting access to the press. Think about that. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, well, I'll just say it like this. God, God has lots of names. Jesus has lots of names. The Holy Spirit goes by a lot of names. Why is that? Because our human minds cannot quite comprehend God. And so God gives us lots of ways of understanding who he is by, by letting us see him through a different lens with different names. And the Holy Spirit is exactly the same way. The Holy Spirit is one name, is the spirit of truth. And now you know, he's gonna bring truth. Guide me into all truth. The Holy Spirit also goes by, goes by this name. Jesus calls him the, the paraclete. One who consoles or comforts, one who encourages or uplifts and refreshes. Let me say those words again. And I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit inside of you brings these things to you if you have the skill to go to him, ask for it and receive it. Consoles you, comforts you, encourages you, uplifts you and refreshes you. Some of you I know and some of you I don't know, but I know this about you. You need to be consoled, comforted, encouraged, uplift, and refreshed. You need it. You need it in your life. The, the King James Version actually calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. He's called the comforter. You know, Paul is so clear about the Holy Spirit in this way. Here's what he says, 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Feel that. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us? This is the Holy Spirit who comforts us in all our trouble. Stop. You know you have trouble. I know you do. You know you do. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble. Now, maybe right now your trouble is not as big as sometimes in your life, but some of you have big trouble. you got trouble. What's he do? He comforts us in all our trouble. Now, this verse is missional. Look what it says. So we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. The one role of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you. So, so let's, just, let's just review. Real basic, this is Holy Spirit 101, especially basic. The Spirit lives in you. Understand it and own it and walk a new walk in your life. Here's three basic things. There are many more than this. Three basics. The Holy Spirit provides strength and you need it. The Holy Spirit provides guidance and you need it. And the Holy Spirit provides comfort. And believe me, you need it. Comforts, consoles, encourages, refreshes. You need all those things. But you're, you're probably thinking this. If you're paying attention and still awake, you're probably thinking this. The, the giggling was appreciated. You're thinking, I just, yeah, I need that. And I need more of that. I need more strength, more comfort. I need more guidance. I need to develop those skills that would allow me to, to go after them and receive from the spirit who lives in me the very things that I need. So how do I do it? How do I have more, more of the Holy Spirit's comfort, strength, and guidance in my life? And I'm, I'm serious. That's exactly how you should be feeling. I need more. And number four gives the answer. Here's what number four says. To understand the work of the spirit we need to understand the mysterious relationship between filling and quenching. Filling and quenching. Two, two biblical concepts that directly apply to the Holy Spirit. Paul says to us with great clarity in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You can insert any alcohol there. Don't be like, well, I'm just drinking beer. No, 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 not how it works, right? Don't get drunk on wine or any alcohol, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, the, the reality is, is that as the Spirit lives in you, 
But this filling part is, it, it applies to how much you're experiencing the work of the spirit. And, and like I said before, it can, you can feel really strong, you feel full, and then it can be depleted and, and you're, feeling, you're feeling less and less and less. Paul's saying this, you need to have the, the understanding and the skill to go to God and say, I need it. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two sermons ago, I, I told you four things about, about how you do it. And the fourth one was ask directly, ask directly to be filled boldly every day of your life. Keep doing that. I also said it's about setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. You're thinking about spiritual things, not selfish things that invites the filling of the Holy Spirit. I, I also said, pursue God's spiritual disciplines. Read the Bible, fast, pray, go after it. Pursue God. Pursuing God is inviting the filling of the Spirit. And then number one, and most importantly, surrender. Submit yourself to God. Draw near to God, James 4, 8, and he will draw near to you. But how about this quenching idea? There's filling. We should be going after the filling of the Holy Spirit. But there's also this clear thing. Do not quench the Spirit. The, the word used here, quench, is, I think you would say, is the most important word to understand in this uh, five-word verse. Don't quench the spirit. What does that mean? Here's the Greek word for quench. It's pronounced sebenomai. That's the Greek word, sebenomai. And it actually, that, that word quench, the word sebenomai, the Greek word, it only ever refers to fire, except in this one case. The, the metaphor here is the Holy Spirit is like fire, like a fire but, and, but you can quench the fire. Here's, here's the definition. It, a fire or things on fire, and it means to, to quench it, sabinami means to suppress, to douse or smother the fire. It means the Holy Spirit is trying to burn in your life. He's trying to, the Holy Spirit's fire is to set you on fire for God, but you keep dousing it. You, you, keep, you keep pulling it down. You, you keep smothering the fire of the Spirit. I mean, imagine just imagine it was totally dark in here right now. But then all of a sudden, you see this, this fire. There's fire right there. It's alive. It's burning. But then what if you like did all you could? Yeah, yeah, lights back up. What if you did all you could to be like, oh, no, no, don't see my fire. I don't want you to see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to douse it. I'm going to, oh, went out. Now, the spirit's not going to go out, but you get my idea. It's a fire burning inside of you. How do you quench the Holy Spirit easily? Easily. How do you quench? You, you probably already know. You can probably write down right now four or five things that you already know about how you quench the work of God, the fire of the Spirit. Well, number one, I'll, I'll just say the thing you already know. Number one is, is just living sinfully, living selfishly, living a self-focused life instead of a Christ-focused life. Living for yourself. Maybe even ask God right now, where are the places that I'm just living for myself? and not thinking about God. And number two, number one is sin. Number two is, is ignoring God. Think about that. Just ignoring him. Now, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, hey, by the way, how many of you have I convinced you? If you're a believer, the Spirit lives in you. Just give me a little thought on that. I've convinced you, good. You believe the Bible, nice job. So if you believe that, the Holy Spirit lives in me. That means everywhere you go, the Spirit goes with you. Now take that analogy and let's change it up and let's pretend just for a second that, that instead of the Spirit, it was me. Let's say you, you won the lottery or you lost a bet and I was with you all day long for one day. Let's say I woke you up in the morning, I'm there in your bedroom, you know, and I'm like, hey, got your coffee. It's your day with me. And then whatever you did that day, I went with you. I was right there with you. But imagine this, I was right there with you and, and you began the day like this. You're like, Pastor Tom, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. We, we, uh, we praise God that you're with us. 
And then you got in your car and I got in the car with you. You went to work. You didn't look at me. You didn't talk to me. You go to work. You didn't look at me. You didn't talk to me. You go to lunch. You didn't look at me. You didn't talk to me. You, you, you're driving home from work. You didn't look at me. You didn't talk to me. You completely ignored me all day. Stop ignoring the Holy Spirit. He's right there. He is with you all day long. Here's something I love to do. When I walk into, I walk into a new place. I acknowledge the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know you are here and I know God loves every person I will encounter here. And I'll be honest with you, I don't always do that. I want to, I like to. Stop ignoring the Spirit in your life. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit, Romans chapter eight, and invite him to work. Invite him to work, quenching and filling. I want you to bow your heads right now. Praise team, come on back. We'd love to have you come lead one last song. If you're here and you have already raised your hand saying you are in Christ, then I will invite you now to pray any way you wanna pray based on this sermon. Anything I said that prompted your heart, just pray. Any way you want, you pray. But if you're here right now and you are, you would just say, admit you're, you're not in Christ. You have not accepted Christ, which means you do not have the Holy Spirit living in you. But you would say, you know what? Today, I, I, I do, I'm ready. If you could say this, I'm ready to obey God with my life then I'm gonna invite you to pray with me to accept Christ and to accept the Holy Spirit. So let's just pray together. I'll pray out loud. You pray quietly if you wanna accept Christ. If you're ready to obey God, pray this prayer. Father God, I thank you for today. I know I've made mistakes. I know I've committed sins. But I ask you to forgive me. And Jesus Christ, I know you died for me and rose again. Come into my life. I give my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I am yours. I am ready to obey you with my life. 